there are legends round here, even if only in their own minds. Forgotten, but not dead. Some have tried to stop them, but they keep coming back, coming to entertain you. They are the Crystal Lake Soldiers. Well, welcome back, campers. This is episode nine of the Crystal Lake Soldiers podcast. I'm Isaiah. Uh, this week, joined by Mark. Both Sean and Ted are uh, gone for the weekend, but we do have a special guest, uh, my buddy Jason, who has been making short films for quite a while now. Because our main focus of tonight is we're going to be talking short films and fan films, so we wanted to get his expertise in on the conversation tonight. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing great. I'm doing great, man. Doing pretty good. Awesome. So just to kind of start things off here, uh, just as a reminder, this week me and uh, Ted both saw Three From Hell and we did our first movie review, which has been posted. There are two different versions of this review. We have a spoiler-free version, which is about 21 minutes long, and we have our spoiler-filled version, which is about 47 minutes long. So please check those out. If you either saw Three from Hell or are wanting to see it, because that is coming out on DVD and Blu-ray next month on the 15th. And to kind of go along with that, just kind of sticking with Three from Hell here for a minute. So the Fathom Events thing happened this past week where it had the three, the limited three-night release in about five to 700 theaters. This movie was made on a $3 million budget. And in that three-day re- limited release in just five to seven hundred theaters, it made a, a one point nine two million dollars on those nights total. So, because of the overwhelming success of this event, Fathom Events is bringing it back for one more night only, and this is happening actually the day before the Blu-ray drops which is on October 14th. So if you missed out on being able to see it during this three-night run, you'll get one more opportunity to see it in theaters before it's released on Blu-ray the next day. So the cool thing about this is that, kind of like with the three-night run, they had different things every night that happened with it. With this fourth night that they're doing in October, you get a special introduction by Rob Zombie, and you also get an alternate commemorative poster that's coming with it. Man, I'm probably going to check it out on the 14th when they when they open it up again. I didn't get to check it out last time. And I'll probably pick up the Blu-ray as well. Love A House of Thousand Corpses, love Devil's Rejects. Like what me and Ted covered in our review is we both absolutely love the movie. It's It's well worth it. And uh, I will be definitely picking up the 4K Blu-ray of this because they are getting a 4K Blu-ray for this, which it's a three-disc set. So you get the regular Blu-ray, the 4K Blu-ray, and the DVD. What's cool is that with the Blu-ray editions is you get a four-part documentary that comes along with it for the special features. And if you've bought any of number of the previous Rob Zombie movies, usually they have a documentary. Like the Halloween 
the first Halloween movie that had a four hour documentary for this movie. So uh, it, it seems like with this one, it's going to have kind of the same thing where it's probably going to be a close to a four hour documentary on the making of this movie. If you get just the regular DVD version, though, you only get the first part of that four part documentary. So that's something to kind of keep in mind when you're going to make this purchase. So it might be more worth it to shell out the extra money to get the the Blu-ray version versus the the DVD version. So that's coming up. That's going to be cool. And uh, I'm excited because I'm thinking about going back to see it again in the theater because it was it was that good. So really cool that they're bringing it back because of the overwhelming success and how many people actually went out to the movie. So that's awesome. Now, in other news, we got word this week that Wes Craven's estate actually has regained the rights to the original Nightmare on Elm Street and Freddy Krueger as the, you know, the character This is interesting because obviously we know that what's been going on for a while now is the rights issues with Friday the 13th is in the same situation where Victor Miller, after 35 years, decided he wanted to invoke his right to gain back, you know, ownership of of that story, that, that first movie and the characters in it. So this is cool because Craven's estate right away got those rights back. There was no pushback from Warner Brothers or New Line. They got the the rights back. Now, what that means is that they get the US release rights. So, they can go with whoever they want. But Warner Brothers and New Line still retain the rights for international distribution. So, it's nice that this got kind of uh, you know, wrapped up in a, in a nice little bow and no real pushback unlike, you know, what's going on with Friday the 13th between uh, Sean Cunningham and and Victor Miller. Yeah, man. Well, I think uh, it belonged to Wes anyways. Right. So his his estate deserves the rights, and maybe we could get a movie out of this. Maybe right, because a, a lot of people have been wanting another movie, especially because Robert Robert England said he would do it again. Yep. So come on, let's go. Yep. Between him and and Heather said she would come back. So you know, there's yes. There was talk a while back that they were wanting to basically do what Halloween did and do like a direct sequel to the first one. And this would be the perfect opportunity with with Craven's estate, you know, having those rights and whatnot. They can shop that around if they wanted to. And hell yeah, I think it's I think it's great for everybody, you know, everybody involved. And, you know, obviously they, they could still go through New Line if they wanted to, to to actually produce the movie if they want to. But if, if they decide they don't want to do that because they've got everything going on with like the Conjuring universe and everything else that they're doing, they can they can go to somebody else to get it made, which is which is great. So I, I think overall it's it's going to be beneficial for everybody, especially those that want to see Robert one last time be Freddy Krueger. Yes. And please. It's no. it's it's needed. Let's, let's leave that Jackie Earl Haley in the past. <laughs> right yeah uh, as as much as can't i let you guys go out that way yeah as much as i like jackie Earl haley and i think he was the right choice to play freddie that that whole movie was a was a dumpster fire to begin with and <laughs> the writing was terrible and you know he just he had to just kind of roll with the punches in that one <laughs> so he he kind of got screwed over in that respect but yeah hopefully this all works out where we get another elm street with him so speaking of kind of older movies and whatnot, George Romero. So obviously George Romero made the the Living Dead movies, you know, Night of the Living Dead, Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead and whatnot. So 
back early in his career, he actually was hired to create basically like like a it, it was a movie, but it was a PSA at the same time. It's called The Amusement Park, and it was basically a PSA about age discrimination, and it was a 60-minute film. So this whole thing got made, but it was never released. They decided against releasing it, and it just kind of sat there, and like hardly anybody's ever seen this. And this got brought up after he had died about this this movie that was never released that his um, family was trying to get released finally after all these years. Because, I mean, you, you think about it, it's been almost, what, 50 years, pretty close to 50 years since that was made. And it's never seen the light of day, really. And so they recovered the the footage for this. They recovered all the, the reels of film for this. And they did a a crowdfunding campaign at the end of last year to actually get this thing restored so that could, it could be released. And on October 12th of this year, they are finally releasing this 60 minute film called the amusement park. And they're actually going to be premiering it in Pittsburgh at the Regent square theater, which is uh, kind of cool that something that Romero made all these years ago is finally getting its due release. And uh, I think that's really cool. That's yeah, awesome. that's, that's that's pretty cool, man. <clears throat> I'd love to see what they um, what the investors found to be too gruesome, like and to, by today's standards, what does it actually look like? Yeah, that'd be wild. I want I want to see that happen with the uh, director's cut to Friday Thirteenth Part Seven. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Especially if they could find yes. the, the footage. Because was, wasn't it something they were saying that the footage might be lost or, or something? I think Maybe it I'm, got thrown out. Yeah. That would be cool if they could find that and get that done too. I yeah. Because John Carl Beekler's movie just got really just cut the fuck up. Butchered. And, Absolutely butchered. Yeah. It's... That was a injustice to say the least. So, but it's it's cool getting to see Romero getting another movie released this long after his death and one that nobody's ever been able to see before. So I think that's cool. And it it may not be the greatest movie because I mean this was early in his career, but you know, getting anything released that nobody's ever really seen of him is I I think is cool because he's my favorite director. You know of 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 anything and. Oh I think yeah, it's Godfather awesome. zombie stories. Yep, absolutely my favorite zombie movie ever, Night of the Living Dead. It's a timeless classic. Yep. Oh, it's just a kind of side note because I got that uh, um, when I went to Crypticon, Kansas City. I got that Criterion version of Night of the Living Dead. Holy shit, is that beautiful? Nice. Because mm. they redid that whole thing and and cleaned that sucker up so good. It's it's like. It it almost seems like it's a different movie. It's just so beautiful. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. All the work that went into that. It it's just so fantastic. Kind of the same thing that they did with Scanners too. I mean that that movie ended up really beautiful too. You know after being in Criterion. But th- that's just kind of a side note. So sticking with upcoming movies, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The last film we got, and this this whole series has been so convoluted already. So the last movie we got was a prequel to the original movie and that was called Leatherface and that came out in 2017 it just basically kind of went through what happened and and how Leatherface became Leatherface basically so 
when that movie was about to be released, the rights for the original film actually went back to Kim Henkel, who, you know, helped produce the original movie with Toby Hooper. So there was a lot of talk about, you know, what was going to be happening with the series after that. And, uh, you know, there's been talk of a TV show and all these other things, which, which still may happen. But uh, news came out uh, recently that um, they are producing another movie. And this is going to be through Legendary Films. And the person that they got to come produce the movie and kind of oversee everything is Fede Alvarez, who, if you're not familiar with him, he is the one responsible for the Evil Dead remake, as well as Don't Breathe. Uh, so his his work is pretty stellar. And to have him kind of overseeing it is is kind of the the right move. It's not known if he's going to actually be directing or not. But the fact that he's kind of overseeing it is, is kind of cool. Now, the one thing that... Uh, with this whole thing is that their their take on this is going to be another direct sequel to the original film. So if you remember, they've already done this with uh, 2013's Texas Chainsaw 3D. So they've already done a direct sequel to the original recently, and they're basically going back and doing another one. Well, I haven't seen The Leatherface. I heard so many bad things about it, and I just never got around to watching it. But this new one seems like it's got a lot of potential. I love the mm-hmm. the story. I love a lot of the sequels. Yeah. The Evil Dead remake was probably my favorite remake I've ever seen. Yeah, his could his, be good. It, yeah, his his work is great. And yeah, my only gripe is just them going back and making another direct sequel to the original when they've already done it. It's like, why don't you just tell <laughs> yeah. a different story or continue after that or, or something, you know? They're trying to outdo Halloween. Yeah, and, <laughs> and you know, it, it may end up being good. You know, we, we, we don't really know just because they're just kind of in the planning stages and they may end up changing it, so... You know, who really knows what may end up actually happening with this. Uh, Hopefully it ends up being good, especially, you know, that the rights are back in kind of the original camp's hands, so to speak. And they've got a competent director, producer, you know, kind of overseeing the project. I I think it's it's got all the right ingredients to be good as as long as they can pull it off, because, you know, I. Texas Chainsaw 3D was terrible. It was a terrible movie. I mean, it was it was it was a gimmick movie for 3D. For that, it was worth seeing in the theater just for that aspect. But beyond that, it's it's not a good movie in any aspect. Is that the one where she was related to him? Yes. Yep. Yeah. See, I liked that movie just for her. (laughs) Get him, cuz. That line <laughs> just took me right out of the movie. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's true. It was a terrible movie. But <laughs> in the same breath, though, Leatherface actually wasn't that bad. I know a lot of people shit on it, but it's actually I, I would rather watch that over Texas Chainsaw 3D. It's actually a decent um, origin story for him, and it, it was pretty well done. You know for what it was. I mean, it's, it's definitely low budget. It's, it's not going to be up to the caliber of even like 
you know, Halloween 2018. It's nowhere even in the ballpark. But for a decent video on demand movie, which is what it was, it's it's not bad. And uh, it's it's definitely worth checking out if, if you can find it on something like Netflix or something like that. So I would say check it out if, if you get the chance. But uh, yeah, I, it's not the greatest movie, but it's not a bad movie either. So that that's exciting that uh, they're hopefully going to do something good with this. Uh, it, it's got me a little bit excited. So coming up, actually, in the three movies that we had trailers for this week are coming up in October. So they're all during the Halloween season for sure. Up first is a Netflix original movie. It's called In the Tall Grass. And this comes out October 4th. So this is based off of a novella that was written by uh, Stephen King and Joe Hill. And this trailer looked creepy as shit. Yes. And it's it's like, uh, I don't even know how to really explain it. It's just kind of... Uh, because they don't really show you anything, which is great. So it's like, you know, it kind of gets you wondering, you know, what's this about? And uh, it, it it really caught my attention because not a lot of the trailers for the Netflix movies that have come out have really like caught my attention like this one did. Yeah, it, I thought it looked good. It looked spooky. It, it looked very Stephen King. Yeah, it just it looks really good and... I'm I'm excited for it because I'm I'm definitely gonna you know check that out when it when it releases on the fourth. Um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna watch that. Yeah, that's gonna be on my list of uh. I'm planning on watching hopefully one movie a night during um October. Actually, believe it or not, don't have anything bad to say about any of the trailers we got this week. <laughs> no, all the trailers actually are are pretty good. Yeah. So let's let's talk about the next one. So this one comes out October 18th, and this one actually is the one I'm most excited for out of all three of these. Yes. Uh, this one's uh, called The Lighthouse. Oh, it looks yeah, so man. good. It looks really good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So you got Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. I'm still not a big fan of Robert Pattinson, but we'll see what happens, especially with this. He, he looked good in the trailer, I thought. Yeah. No, he, he really did. Did you ever see The Rover? I don't think I have. No, no. With uh, Guy Pierce, it. it was okay. an Australian uh, kind of an indie <clears throat> movie, and dare I say it was a. I would say it was on par with the original Mad Max. Okay. And uh, it was kind of like a dystopian future, not so far off. Guy Pierce is kind of that rover, that wanderer kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Seriously, Robert Pattinson, he. He nailed it. Okay. So that's that's why I'm not not afraid to have him as like you know doing these kind of movies. I'm he's right. he's great. Yeah, I this one especially this movie has got me excited. Number one, I mean anything with Willem Dafoe is usually pretty good. The whole aspect of this movie too, because number one, it's set in the 1890s, and on top of that, they made the decision to actually shoot this on 35 millimeter black and white film. So this is it looks sh- beautiful. It does look beautiful. It looks amazing. <laughs> and the aspect ratio is so different from what you're used to nowadays. It's it's a good throwback, you know, to to older film. And kind of the like the that whole trailer, it like gave me goosebumps. It was so good. It was it was fantastic. And, you know, it's 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 like just seeing that descent into madness, too. I yeah. love these kind of movies just for that mm-hmm. aspect, too. 
And Willem Dafoe, he can get fucking batshit crazy. No so kidding. it's, I think this is going to be a good one. And it's made by the guy that made The Witch. And, you know, The Witch was probably one of the best horror films, at least, you know, based off of most people's opinions in the last five to ten years. Which I, I, I thought The Witch was pretty good. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with this because uh, The Witch was definitely different. And it was it was kind of refreshing, you know, what he did with that. And so it'll it'll be cool to see what he does with this. And it's got me really, really excited. But um, the final movie that we're, we're 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 talking about that's coming out here in October uh, that we watched the the trailers for is uh, called Girl on the Third Floor. This comes out October twenty fifth. Now the weird thing with this one is it stars a previous WWE wrestler by the name of CM Punk. So this is like the first movie I've ever seen him in. I I, I know I've I've heard a few other movies that he's that are coming up that he's going to be in. So this this is a little different, and uh, this, basically this is kind of like a haunted house kind of movie. And just from what you see in the trailer, it doesn't look like he does too bad of a job. No, it looked good. It was like the house was alive. Yep. It the the effects looked great. His performance looked at least in the trailer. It looked good. That one seems interesting. I'm going to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm definitely going to eat uh, as well. It's uh. Yeah, it's, it, it, it looks strange enough that it, it, it's probably going to be one I'll probably like. And then um, the last movie that we're talking about, this one actually, so not all of them come out in October. So this one actually comes out in November, which is right in time for winter because this one takes place during the winter time. So this one's called The Lodge, and this comes out November 15th. Now, this one was made by the uh, the director that made Goodnight Mommy. Uh, th- that movie was like, creepy as hell if you haven't seen good night mommy I, I do recommend it. it it is a foreign film so you do have subtitles and stuff like that so kind of be aware of that but like the the tension that this director can build is amazing and I'm, I'm kind of seeing the same kind of vibe with you know that tension being built and basically what you get from the trailer is that this uh these two children are staying with their father's new girlfriend or wife or whatever the case may be and they're stranded at this lodge basically or this cabin this family cabin or whatever it is and you find out that this woman had a previous association with a cult that ended up killing themselves but she didn't partake in that in 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 the suicide thing and it's like it's coming back to haunt or, or, you know, people are coming after or whatever the case may be because you don't really know. And that's kind of the same kind of thing that they did with like Goodnight Mommy because you didn't really know what was going on or who was evil or who wasn't. And so I kind of like that. And this really put off that vibe quite a bit with this. Got yeah, it, it, it looked interesting. It's got that kid from it. Yep. The, the one that p- played Bill Denborough in the, yeah, the new movies. Yeah, young Bill. It, it looked like a psychological type thing, and I'm into those. Yeah. So. Yep, and that's we'll definitely what, what Goodnight Mommy was, was more psychological kind of uh, mystery thriller with horror elements in it. So, yeah, I, I, I love those kind of movies, too. And this one, this one definitely piqued my interest 
with this, especially because this their second movie ended up being in English. <laughs> so versus, you know, because <laughs> uh, I think the original one was in Swedish or something like that. I, I don't quite remember, but yeah, it's it looks really good. So the main focus of our, our discussion tonight is uh we're we're gonna be talking about short films and, and fan films. Cause we've been seeing a lot lately, especially if you look at Friday the thirteenth, which is kind of our cup of tea for everything, is uh because of the whole rights issues and the legal BS that's going on between uh, Sean Cunningham and Victor Miller. You've got all these fan films that are being released. You've obviously got yeah. these stellar ones like uh, Never Hike Alone, which is like we talked about last week is becoming a, a an actual web series with uh, Tom Matthews, uh, you know, coming back as well as other people that have been in Friday the 13th films. And uh, so that's exciting. Uh, they've got an Indiegogo going for that, like we talked about, where they're trying to raise the funds for the first episode to get that filmed. And then they'll their plan is to release uh, three or four other episodes throughout next year for that. So that's that's cool. But short films and, and fan films, I've, I've been watching these for years. And I remember the first fan film I ever saw was uh, actually a, a, a Jason for versus Michael fan film. And this was right around the time that they were making uh, Freddy versus Jason. And I remember loving that so much and just what they did. And I thought, Oh, these guys could make a movie. I mean, looking back at it now, I mean, the, the quality isn't that great, but you know, that just kind of, you know, got me thinking of wanting to make my own fan films and, and different things like that. And that got me started with my, what my buddies, you know, from high school, we, we made our own Friday the 13th fan film, which never got released. We made our own Halloween fan film that we never finished and, and got released. So, I mean, it kind of started the, the the path of me wanting to do video and and that kind of thing and uh that definitely played a role in in getting me you know where I wanted to go you know going to school for video and and different things like that even on top of my love for movies and and all that so so that's what we want to talk about tonight is just kind of some of our favorite short films uh fan films that kind of thing and kind of discussing even you know going about how how we've made certain ones too because obviously we have jason here um who i've worked on with some videos and he's done his own short films that have been put into festivals and and that kind of thing so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight yeah don't forget uh fam film the the predator that was uh our predator (laughs) fam film was like that was legit that was (laughs) that was some serious uh some effects that you put together in that and oh god the, early the, after effects yep and the found <laughs> footage of uh of that of that uh was that that asteroid over russia or whatever that was yes and putting that to the beginning <laughs> oh man that was gold and it made it oh, made god. it look so well at the time like we're looking at this like this is this is hollywood baby <laughs> and now and now it's you such just, trash <laughs> it's yeah. like so cringy <laughs> Oh, you know, know what? Um, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to leave a link uh, down below here on, on the page uh, for this so that if you guys want to check that out, you guys can go check that out on YouTube because it's still <laughs> up and uh, it's, it's very cringeworthy. It's not something I'm, I mean, it was it was fun. It was a fun experience. It, it was a lot of fun doing, but it's very, very cringy. It's, you know, it's 10 years old now, actually. Actually, we made it 10 years ago. 
That's insane. So, now I know what I'm doing tonight after the show. Oh, man. Make yourself a big bowl of popcorn. You know, get comfy. Get comfy. Get right in there. Oh, man. It'll, it's great. Hell, yeah. Oh, God. Oh, remember when we did that one, The, the Evangelist? Oh, basically man. like a hitman, but he was an well, evangelist. Well, as soon as we heard the new release from Johnny Cash, it was just, or no, did we originally do it to... Uh, Man Comes Around. Yeah, right. And uh, we like, oh yeah, we got to make something to this. And we were in our back lot, in our classic back lot. We had to put something together for it. Yeah, that, that, that one was interesting because YouTube kept taking it down because of that song because it kept flagging it for copyright and wouldn't have it showing i did end up changing the music and so i ended up changing it to shipping off to boston yeah. <laughs> i dropkick murphy i was just gonna say that was part of it too like which ended up working out i mean the the song doesn't match up with what you know the <laughs> whole thing was but i mean it was kick ass and it just made it that good <laughs> yep oh man oh. Me but, back in my skinny days. <laughs> right. Oh, man. You and me both, brother. <laughs> and I had hair. <laughs> <laughs> right? We're different people. We've transformed. But that, like, <laughs> I think that's a good segue into, like, making short films in general. Like, you're, the first ones you make are always going to be cringy. Like, oh, yeah. I thought, like, I had to make the perfect thing. And the more people that I talk to, the more filmmakers that I talk to, it's like no, make as many crappy ones as you can make, because it'll only make your next one better. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I agree. It's pretty much with anything creative, though. It's true. Got to start somewhere. You got to start with that predator. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's 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 really hard to get noticed in this world. Yeah, it right. is because you you got to stand out somehow. Yeah, right. and. It's it's really like right place, right time kind of thing, but also you're you know having the, that quality content as well. It's you gotta, gotta you gotta have gotta the dedication like the to keep going is what it is. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. It, it is. Like um, like well, how I would put it too, like um, you get through making really crappy videos or crappy short films, like you you kind of find what works for you, what doesn't. You kind of find wow, I really am interested in this part of it. And you kind mm. of find your voice through it too. Like, I found that making serious film wasn't really for me because yeah, when I had to go to a film festival and talk about it, I found myself like, how do I talk about something serious? I don't know how to do it. Right. And uh, I it was, it was torturous and I did it, but like, I found like, I never want to talk on a serious subject again when it comes to... <laughs> my creative work like it was it's something that i'm glad i did but it's like mm, no i'll stick to killer clowns and people's heads getting cut off it's a lot easier swamp buck swamp buck oh yeah <laughs> antlers through the through your belly that's a little funner <laughs> yeah yeah i would i would definitely agree because uh, like if you're if you're to try to get me to do like a serious video I would struggle so hard. I mean, I, I, I'd probably be able to pull it off, but I would struggle so hard versus just doing something just wacky and out there and just fun. Uh, it's yeah, it's cause I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's people out there that just love doing that kind of serious, more dramatic kind of thing, but it's just definitely something that 
just does not come easy to, for me. Uh, definitely. Right. And two, like the way, the way I, I went about doing a little bit more serious, uh, experimental narrative stuff was I got a grant to do it, which is mm-hmm. like incredible. It was like my first grant. Um, but I also went into the grant knowing like, well, maybe I should, because nobody's going to go into a grant thinking like, oh, I'm going to make a slasher flick. They're going to just throw right. money at me. Like no artist <laughs> council in the world is going to give you money to make your slasher flick. But mm-hmm. if you make something a little more serious and more topical, yeah, of course, they're, they'd love to give you money to first, you know, to speak on something, you know, that's near and dear to the community or whatever. But then I found myself like it was almost like a conflict in the end. Like, mm-hmm. well, I did this to make money, you know, money to make the movie. But at the end of the end of it, it's like, oh, man, I really wish I would have just made something fun. But yeah, and ultimately, you got to love what you're doing, too, because right. I mean, if, if you're just always struggling trying to to do stuff and this is even in just regular jobs, too. <clears throat> I mean, if you're not yeah. loving what you're doing, I mean, really, what's the point? And, you know, I'm definitely in that boat where, you know, I'm not doing what I love to do currently, uh, you know, job wise. So I'm kind of preaching That's to the why choir. we're here. Right. And, exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just like, you know, and it's, it's scary cause you know, you want to do something and then it's just taking that first step. Yeah. And you know, that first step for me was, you know, cause I, I love doing video. I'm still going to love doing video, but even with like the, the podcast, just, taking that first step and just doing it, not expecting to make any money on this. Cause I'm, I'm still not expecting to make any money, but if it ends up coming that way, great. But you know, is it's just taking those steps, even with video, just, you know, cause that's, that's the one thing I struggled with for the longest time. And, you know, we talked about before we started recording, you know, just kind of our, our previous experiences. We'll, we'll say that with video. And it, it got me to that, to the point where it was like, I just, my heart wasn't in it. And it was a struggle just to even get myself to do stuff video wise. And, but when I did it, it was great. You know, even looking back when, when you did swamp buck and I did the behind the scenes stuff, Yeah, you know, that I had a ball with, I mean, I recorded all that. I ended up editing that video. I mean, I had so much fun doing it. And then for a while there, I was doing like review videos on like unboxings for like uh, like Loot Crate and different things like that or doing reviews on whatever else. And, you know, I was doing that for a good solid year or two years straight and I was enjoying it because I was doing it weekly at that point. It just took me to that point of just kind of just doing it and just getting into it. And I, I think that would be the same for me now if I were to try to, cause I, you know, I've been talking about I. I want to still do that short film withdrawal, which I still want to at some point. It's just, it's going to be a, a matter of me just taking that step just to, just to get started and do it. Cause I mean, well, I, I mean, ultimately I took the first step by writing the damn script, but now it's just a point of trying to f- location scouting and finding people to be in it. Cause I definitely don't want to be on camera cause I fucking hate being on camera. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not an actor by any means. If what? oh and you know what i'm gonna leave another uh link down below for another short film that me and jason did called the box and you'll you'll see what i mean i'm I'm not an actor and uh that one's that one's fun that that one i had a lot of fun doing and that one i can still watch every now and then just because it's so it's cringy but it's it's funny cringy 
Yeah, it and, works. Uh, it works. It, it, it works well. <clears throat> Whereas Predator, it's it, that was kind of more of a serious thing. <laughs> it's just cringy, just because it's on a freaking like point and shoot camera that we recorded it. The crazy thing I think about back to Predator was that I think through that, I remember you getting some really cool connections out of it that Mm -hmm. due to circumstances, they didn't really, we didn't really make that happen. But the crazy thing, like what if, what if something could have came out of that? But like, I think it all comes back to like what you're talking about is what we were talking about earlier was like creative fulfillment. Like Mm -hmm. that's the whole reason why just we, we used to do it back in the day and that we continue our trying to find that fulfillment, whether it's podcasts, whether it's unboxing videos and you know, like where we're here today, but like that creative fulfillment is everything for me. Cause like literally my, my, my paying job, cause I don't make any money off of, off of films it's only been more recently which is really cool is i get an honorarium for one of the film festivals that i was um <clears throat> accepted to screen at they actually yeah. give the artists anyone who was uh selected by the judges they'll send an honorarium i don't even know how much it is but that's like the first time that's ever happened but like um not the nine to five that's or, awesome yeah yeah thank you the um but like my nine to five is like it's corporate zombie work, like putting yeah. together creative or promo for stuff or um, mostly a lot of design, junk mail, like stuff people throw away, um, <laughs> political, yeah. s- political stuff, um, boring. Uh, it's just it's just boring. And that shit is boring. Yeah. I mean, and, for the little bit I worked on that with you. Oh, man. Oh, I was so bored. <laughs> it's it ex- so hard to do. I mean, it's fun that I get to use my skills to make money. I mean, getting the money is is nice. But, like, to actually have creative fulfillment in it, that's another thing. And so, like, it started for me, like, I volunteered making some posters for a film festival. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I don't know if I wanted to do films at that point, but I know, like, I had fun making videos and stuff. Yep. But, like, I knew that I can make a movie poster. I think that'd be really cool. So I helped different filmmakers make their... Who didn't have a f- movie poster or uh, didn't have any represent... Like, any graphics for their for their film that's coming to the film festival. So I would just make them, um, <clears throat> make them posters. And uh, it turned into, like, something really awesome. And I still have a lot of relationships with the guys that I made posters for. And, uh, but that like made me kind of get into the film festival. And then on top of that, seeing how it worked and like meeting filmmakers or people who are just as nerdy as you, who like aspects of film and talking about their craft. And like, that really got me kind of like, oh yeah, I love this. And so like, I, not to make money or anything, but like to help them out, that kind of what started me. Yeah, and then like give me enough courage to like, oh, I can make a short film, get in a film festival or two or something, and I think that's why Swamp Buck was like originally like one of our projects for school, and I made a movie trailer of it, yep. and uh, then when I was hired back at the college, it was like, well, you gotta make Swamp Buck now, <laughs> and that's how it like started, <laughs> and Rich like almost made me do it because he was so in love with Swamp Buck. 
And uh, so I was like, okay, let's do Swamp Book. And then that was like kind of my first like real kind of uh, short film. And that ended up, I looked the other day, it was like seven film festivals it was at. And some were pretty yeah. legit. Other ones were like a bar in Peoria <laughs> uh, <laughs> somewhere filming but others like um it, it was a it got a commendation in england uh oh, wow. at, a, at a horror festival and that was i forgot that i got a common a commendation is like we don't have enough spots for you to play your film because we got a lot of good ones but and a lot of times usually it, it turns into like sorry we can't accept your film but they're like we liked it so much Here's a commendation. Here's uh, some like laurels uh, that you can put on your on your on your poster and stuff, saying you know we, we endorse your film. Um, it's pretty cool. That's cool. It didn't play there, yeah, so I awesome. still need a I still need an international showing. But like um, just people who like your stuff, and that's kind of like the best thrill of all is having an audience of people who like laugh at the parts that you think are funny. You know, like. Yeah, and just reacting to your film, it's like it's super addictive. Yeah, that's cool, man. But yeah, so this season, um, this festival season, I had two two films out there, um, mm-hmm. and they couldn't be any different. Like one, I spent like two months preparing, and it's super short. I I was on Super Eight Film, and it was part of a London competition, where if you put together a film. On Super 8 camera, you have to film it in sequence. It has to be all edit, edited in camera. You can't, like, you'll never see your footage until it's developed. And so you literally have to shoot it in sequence. It can only be as long as your film uh, roll, which is 50 feet, which is about 3 minutes and 16 seconds of film. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's got to be 18 frames a second shot in. And um, you send in the cartridge to get it developed by uh, a company out of London who develops the film. And then you get two weeks to put together a soundtrack to it. So if you wanted to add any audio, like music, it had to be original music score. And uh, then you send that in. And then they just literally the first frame um, is where the music starts or your audio track starts and whatever you get is what you get and so they they select eight of them to go on to Cannes Film Festival in France and then like um, another handful go on to London as well and mine was more of a <clears throat> a weird tale of of a of a lady who um, goes to <laughs> her new apartment and it's just a trash hole and it's more like a weird tale, uh, kind of in the vein of Lovecraft. And it just wasn't quite their cup of tea, I don't think. It wasn't quite cans-worthy. Uh, <laughs> but it's found a really cool home in some really cool film festivals, including, which I was most proud of, um, coming up here in a couple weekends, I think, is the HP Love Lovecraft Film Festival. It's been going on for like 25 years and That's they cool. they liked it. That's awesome. Yeah, so I was really like, who gives a who cares about cans when like literally, the people who can appreciate it are in love with it. That's it. Just feels so good. That is really cool. Now tell us a little bit uh, about that uh, 
uh, down to clown too. Yeah, and that's the, that's the other one that's like the opposite because like I spent <laughs> zero time on that one because um, like with the super, with super eight I had to plan it out to the T. Yep. Make sure everything like each scene uh, down to clown was um, me and a buddy uh, John Heller. We we just kind of go back and forth every day. He sends me ideas, scripts can be overwhelming sometimes because he's always thinking and like I think a lot I think you guys can can like um, relate to this but like when you find people who kind of jive with the same kind of ideas and thoughts that you have it's once you find somebody you like you just unload it like uh, your ideas and create creative stuff but like so like uh, once John found out like oh you make films I make films here's my ideas and like we just vomit up on each other all kinds of ideas and we had this thought he had this thought of like this clown that attacked these people in a car like um and all he had really was like the people turn on the headlights and there's a clown standing there with like a machete or something that was like his whole idea (laughs) and i'm like hey i want to put something together because there's some film festivals that coming up that i'd like to be a part of and what if uh instead of the clown being the psychopath, what if we had the clowns being the characters in the car? And, like, the clowns are fooling around, and, like, what would be a clown's worst nightmare? Like, and so we, um, like, literally, we didn't, we we originally had it where it was, like, some sort of, like, nerdy office dude (laughs) standing there, like, the most boringest (laughs) thing you could think of, like, that would freak out a clown. Yeah. But then we really didn't have any actors lined up. So like, well, let's just put my kids in there. They can, they get clowns. Clowns can be scared of kids. Right. And so I'm like, yeah, perfect. Uh, and he was like, yeah, that works so well. It's like almost like we planned this. And then, so like <laughs> literally like we only spent like two hours on it. We filmed it on my driveway. Um, we invited a couple uh, friends of our kids over to, and as fast as we could, because I knew I only had the kids' attention for maybe an hour, then I had pizza ready for them. So I knew if they were, like, knew that pizza was coming, maybe they'd, like, they'd give a good performance or something. Right. So, like, I filmed all the kids a scene in an hour, and then, like, for the next hour, I filmed the rest of it. But basically, it's, like, these kids terrorizing. That's, like, that's basically, like, the reveal, the twist in it. It's kids just terrorizing these clowns, but... A simple premise. Uh, it was fun. I it, I basically also uh, John Heller filmed it and I directed it. But he uh, mm-hmm. he had some great equipment. You know he had this just this ninja recorder that could record everything in just this raw format. It's like four K and it's like just we can just get some indent some intense color depth for. For all this stuff, and I told him, like, while we were filming, I'm like, I'm just going to make this look like it was shot on VHS, so don't worry about anything. And he's just so offended at first. But then, like, <laughs> but then we looked at it and it looked just really good trashy. So, it looks trashy. It looks like uh, uh, something that you'd find in a bargain bin at a VHS uh, rental store. It doesn't... <laughs> it's, that's my favorite kind of thing. And then I had my father-in-law... Um, who was in Swamp Buck as the main actor, I had him uh, do a little track, soundtrack at the end, um, where the kids are playing with uh, one of the clown's heads. Um, they're just kind of tossing around, like, playground style. 
<laughs> and uh, I have him playing a little old, you know, an old uh, kid song. Uh, the more we get together, the more we get together, together. He's got that really good vibrato, old guy voice. Yep. Singing with his guitar. It's a folksy guy, and I just love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so two opposites ends of the spectrum. Something that we didn't spend very much time on. One that I spent way too much brain power on. Uh, right. And uh, in the end, like, had a lot of fun. Like, Super 8 1 made me a better filmmaker for sure. Preparation, yeah. everything. And then Down to Clown, just fun to come up with some just crazy idea and see if it works it's more like an experiment and then in the end like in post-production i just love uh, just making it look trashy or making it look fun that's where that's where i can really just shine make it shine definitely so i was wondering if you could uh tell us anything more about the uh, different kinds of effects you shot in your films like what was difficult with it you know kind of issues you may have had yeah no um, a lot of practicals, I'm just starting to get into practicals myself, uh, cause I'm so fascinated by them cause prior. Right. Me too. Um, yeah. Like I, it's easier for me, uh, to do it just like in post a lot of times. Yep. Cause I mean, I, I'm, when it comes to post-production editing and effects, that's kind of where I, a lot of my, uh, my design background and stuff, that's kind of where I found my niche in in filmmaking in general but like now it's like man i want it to look because you when you see three like 3d or post post like effects it kind of looks just lame like it just doesn't and i'd rather have like a good you know tom savini you know latex rubber tom savini's my freaking idol for right right (laughs) so i haven't i haven't got to that point yet but i made a f- couple of cool connections more recently and i hope to do that in the next from here on out but one of the effects i have done um like in down to clown when i need like i i had the idea in my head i want these kids just playing i wanted to go from like super serious menacing children they're about to attack the you know the clowns and then i want to like cut to the title because in short films it's nice to be able sometimes you can put the title like at the end of your film instead of the beginning because it's really not that long so yep it just makes sometimes makes you know it's aesthetically like pleasing to have a title at the end like it makes sense then but i knew i wanted a hard cut and then i wanted to lighten up with the you know folksy song and i wanted like the kids to be playing playground style and I did want them tossing around a clown head. Um, like, it was, like, <laughs> yes. no, nothing. So I took a... I, I looked on Amazon first, like, heads, you know, like, severed heads and bloody heads. And, like, my browsing history was probably, like, flagged by the FBI. Like, <laughs> what I'm looking for. But and I knew I could... If I, I had zero budget. So I'm like, I got to do this on the cheap... Uh, I could have researched it probably a little bit more, but like literally, like I said, we put it together really fast. So what I did was I went to Hobby Lobby and got one of those foam heads for that, like mannequin heads or whatever. Yep. And I put the exact same clown makeup that the clowns are going to put on, on that. And it was already white. So it was like perfect. I didn't have to like any flesh tones or anything. 
So I just kind of put the clown makeup on, put the, the foam nose on it and the wig, and it looked like legit. And then on the bottom, I uh, painted the bottom and designed it. If I, w I think I would have, if I had a little more time, I would have like dipped it in some, you know, <clears throat> like Carol syrup or something with like some chocolate um, syrup and like, you know, made it really juicy. Yep. But yeah. I didn't ha I didn't have enough time, so I took like some craft paints and did a mixture of all kinds of paints at the bottom. And then in there's already a little hole in the bottom of that foam head. So I shoved a bunch of yarn and stuff and like made it look like dangling um nasty like uh nerve endings and stuff like that. <laughs> yes. Tendons and, Tendons and yeah. spinal cord stuff. Just yeah. juicy out That's... the bottom. And it looked pretty good. I mean, even like you couldn't it's really tell. metal, man. That's metal <laughs> shit. You couldn't tell much, especially after putting the the uh, VHS grunge on top of everything and just really, you couldn't tell what was going on. So it worked out pretty slick for that. Yeah. And and then like um, for practicals, that's a, I think that's, like I did some, on the Super Eight. I knew that if I had anything special in there, I had to really pull it off well. So old friend of ours, uh, Jake Jordan, remember him from school? Oh, Isaiah? yeah. He put together an animation for me because in there I wanted like mold. I wanted like mold to grow on the walls mm -hmm. to kind of like that mold is consuming my actor. And there's like it's kind of montage experimental looking and I knew I wanted mold growing. So he put he hand animated some um, moldy looking things. And I took okay. some pictures ahead of time of this old, nasty Jesus picture that I had hanging on the wall. Yeah. Because there's this really bizarre-looking Jesus picture that my wife grew up with on her wall. Like, literally, if you saw this Jesus picture, you'd literally, like, have nightmares as an adult. Like, imagine as a kid <laughs> having this creepy... Because it looks like his eyes are... Depending on when you're looking at him and how... Looks like his eyes are open or shut. You can't quite tell. That's so weird. It's, it's freaky, dude. It's freaky. So, like, I had this old... I knew I wanted this in the film, so... It'd be cool to, like, have the mold grow around it. So what I did was I took a picture of it and I sent it to him. I'm like, can you make it look like mold is growing around this and then, like, take the picture out? And so, like, he had one where it was just, like, nothing in the middle, but, like, it was square... And the mold is growing around it. So, like, I took a projector and I projected it on the wall. And then I filmed that real time to make it look like there's mold growing. Because I couldn't do anything on the computer, right? right? And so it ended up actually looking pretty darn good. And I actually had people like, how did you do that? I'm like, well, I just projected it on the wall and played it. And they're like, genius. But, like, it looked that looked pretty sick. That looked good. That's awesome. Um. What I'd like to do in my next films, <clears throat> making the connections that I have who are like champs at like latex and masks and stuff, I'd really like to do some good severed, uh, good severed head, like with the skin peeling apart. And um, mm. I'd like to do some cool masks too. I think that'd be really awesome. Like some good monster making. I, oh, yeah. I think what, do you remember for Swamp Buck when I did, I had that old bear hide and i shoved the antlers through it do you remember that yes i do remember that <laughs> we didn't really see it ever 
But I thought like that would be pretty cool. But I think I would have spent a little more time on a really cool, like gnarly looking demon deer. But or or I suppose like we did practicals during Swamp Buck because like <laughs> we had the horn like ripping through the uh, Ryan. Yep. So we 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 made him swallow a bunch of the blood. I poured it in like in his mouth, and then like he's like gurgling it out. As he's yep. hanging on to the deer horn that looked like it's protruding through his uh, chest. <laughs> yep. But then when That's we did awesome. like the prior, we took a I took like a rubber balloon. We had a couple guys holding his shirt. It was just so ghetto, but we had this shirt that he was wearing, and then from behind, I like we held the shirt tight, and I had the. I thought, like, if I had that horn pushed through that balloon, it looked like his piercing skin. Mm-hmm. And then, like, blood squirting out at the same time. It didn't look as good as I thought, so I had to, like, speed it up in, in post in my edit. But that didn't look <laughs> hardly good, so I just cut it real quick. But that's probably the closest. I'm trying to think what else we did. Yeah, that's about it for now. I, I want to keep doing that, though, because it's so... I'm so interested in that too. Like, yeah, just a, it's it, fun. It's got a, such a rich history too of oh, yes. monster making, and, and you can get you can get deep into it and do some really amazing things. Right. Yeah. I tell you what, though. I mean, cheap alternative. I mean, even though practical is always better, but you know, oh, After Effects has saved my ass expensive. so many times. Oh man, it's it's easy. It's too easy to make it look good. Well, here's, here's but I a, tell you, I went to a special effects makeup contest, and they had a box out for each contestant with random items. There were things, and they're like napkins and tampons and just random things, and that's all they were allowed to use. Yep. And they all came up with something amazing. That's cool. So you can do it for the, on the cheap if you're creative. Right. That's the thing too. Like, um, I think. Some people don't even know, like, they can't even, I can't, like, grasp my mind around, like, what's possible. Like, I can oh, think, yeah. a lot of times when I'm writing, even writing a script, or putting something, I have an idea of a story, mm-hmm. it's a bummer that, I think I'm getting better at this, but I'm thinking of limitations while I'm writing it. Like, yep. oh, the script's got a lot of dialogue in it, I'm not going to have a, I'm not going to be able to afford, like really good talent so i know that i'm gonna be having my buddies in it who can't act you know at all <laughs> so like i'm gonna have my speech down to a lim- very limited you know and so then i'm like okay with practicals well i know i can just do this quick in after effects but now yeah. it's like i can start as i'm making them i know like oh i can make this a little better and speaking of practicals too i've been helping in, in post-production, I've been helping these fellows out in Detroit who are putting together a movie, um, Psycho Ape. And that's been a blast. And they're really good. Um, they know a lot of fun tips and tricks of practicals. And they're doing yeah. a lot of severed things. And but the premise is, is very simple. It's a, uh, it's a guy dressed up as a, as a monkey in a gorilla suit um, who basically goes around and kills people with bananas. And... That's it. That's how it started. And uh, so there's a lot of good blood. 
and practicals. Um, if anything ever gets like severed, they have the old uh, PVC pipe that has a little bit of a bend in it, and they fill it full of of your blood, and you blow into that, and that just does a nice spray on people's faces and out people's arms, <laughs> and that's so good. Cutting off legs. They're they're pros out there. That's a that's been a fun trip. Um, it started with just I put together some. They had like a call for any artists who would be willing to do a poster or some sort of artwork for them, and it's kind of blossomed into a fun relationship working with those guys and seeing the behind the scenes, and they've been they're putting together some good work out there. It's got yeah. <clears throat> they ended up getting some uh, talent on the project, um, Kansas Bowling and. Bill Whedon from Sergeant Kabuki Man. He was the bad guy in that movie. Oh, that's great. Uh, Bill Whedon's just a ride. He's great in it. Um, yeah, it's it's been a blast seeing the process and being a part of it. It's uh, I'm really honored to be a part of it. It's pretty fun. That's so cool. That is so cool. Yeah, I, like the whole behind the scenes stuff with 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 fan films or short films rather is is so unique and it's 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 so fun to be a part of when you do get to be a part of it and you know getting to work on stuff like this is is definitely awesome you know whether it be the editing or or filming or you know clean up uh you know color correction whatever the case may be visual effects it's it's all just so much fun you know doing and i i find myself missing that stuff a lot that's for sure yeah man it is like I find myself wanting to do it more and more. And yeah. if I was ever to be able to do it to get paid, oh man, I'd do it in a freaking heartbeat. Oh, no kidding. It's so fun. But for now, it's like I'm just going to basically sacrifice a little bit just to stay creatively fulfilled. Yep. Definitely. So lately, what have you been using equipment-wise um, when you're when you're doing your short films? Um, It's... I've used pretty much everything, and a lot of times I'll if I'm filming with my buddy um, John, he'll use his cameras. He's got a I don't really he's gonna kill me for this, but I don't really remember what he has. It's like a Nikon, a really nice Nikon. He's just using like a DSLR. Yeah. Um, but I I have a um, C100 uh, that mm-hmm. I do a lot of my corporate work with, and so that's kind of always. Um, uh, on the back burner to use, um, yep. a su- super eight camera. It's like a zoom seven fifty. It's really awesome. Uh, super eight camera. I've used my crappy, um, DSLR too. Like the, it's a 60 D yep. on some of my projects. Um, I'd like to, I'd like to, I like experimenting with all kinds of different stuff. Um, because I've the more that I've done it, the more like I realize it doesn't matter really what I'm using. Yep. It, it, uh, I think it all comes down to like a good story. If you can relate to the story, oh, who cares what it's shot with? But like, um, but at the same time, I'm always looking at what the latest and greatest is out there. Like what, what is Panasonic doing with this? <laughs> right. What is Canon's problem? Why can't they make a good 4K camera? Like that kind of right. stuff. But like, um. I'd like to I'd like to shoot more I'm a sucker for just analog. I'd love to make a good VHS tape um 
from the camera. Like Swamp Puck, I I trans um I transferred over to VHS. Yep. Um, during the process, and nobody liked it, especially Rich. Rich was like, "What is this? <laughs> We're shooting on the uh, what was it? The Sony A7S Mark II. Why why does this look so bad?" And I'm like, because I want it to look good. And he's like, no, we're 4K, you know, and all this stuff. And then product wasn't all, I, I snuck in the VHS at the beginning and the end and just kept the middle. Yep. But like, um, everything I can, like, I think it's easier just to start shooting with what you got. Because there's too many, too many times I'll fall into the trap. Like, if only I had this camera, then I'll be... That'll I be fall into f- that all the time. And I'll be a filmmaker, man. Or then I can shoot my project, like. Yep. <laughs> but in, in that case too, like, it's so easy to rent these days too. Like you don't have oh, to definitely. own it. For a hundred bucks, you could probably get a pretty sweet camera with some good gear for, depending on how many days you need it. Yeah. Be pretty awesome. Like for for me, because you know I've got three or three cameras i think so i've got my they're all canon dslrs for the most part so i've got my eos rebel t4i so that sucker is like eight years old and then i've got my 60 mark ii which i do my photography on and then i've got another kind of cheapy one i've got my gopro and then you know i ended up buying you know my friggin drone that i've used twice you know, in the last right. two years that I've owned it. So I've definitely fallen into that pit where it's like, oh, if I just had this, then I could do this. Oh, yeah. I, I do that all the time to myself. And I always end up talking myself into equipment I don't really need, even though it's nice having the drone because it has come in handy the two times I've used it for different projects. But, oh, God, it's it's so hard to not fall into that pitfall. And then then you're spending money that you really probably don't even need to, to, to spend because... You know, I think about it, some of my best work that I've done. You know, you look at Shatterball, Shatterball Four, Balls to the Wall. Oh, classic! <laughs> you know, that that was so fun, and it it was all done on a cheap ass Canon DSLR. You know, with just that fifty millimeter lens, which makes everything just look beautiful. And then, besides that, uh, you know, the box was also done on that same camera, so it's. It, it, it really is, it, it doesn't matter. Because, I mean, we also had other people that were using even older cameras mm-hmm. that were doing phenomenal work back when we were, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in school still. So it really doesn't matter. Because, I mean, obviously lighting's a, a key thing. You know, if, if you want to get into anything equipment-wise, you should invest in some kind of pathway decent lighting. Because mm-hmm. how you light a you know, a scene is going to be key for anything to make it look halfway decent and then kind of learning the best way to light something. So that's, that's, that's definitely a key thing. I mean, story is definitely the most important thing, but after that, I would say lighting is, is, is almost as important as story. Yeah. And then like camera, that's all after that. I mean, well, even with lighting, you uh, good sound too, because good sound and good lighting are gonna more than not make or break your your video or or short film. Oh yeah, you're gonna lose me real quick if your audio is trash. 
Mm-hmm. Or yes. Like, so, sounds agree. like you're. Sounds like you used a microphone on a freaking, like a, <laughs> like a, I don't know, like on your camera, that or like your, on your cell phone, like literally, it's just that that kind of audio. It's like, oh man, I'm done. Next. <laughs> yeah. Or like an old computer microphone. Right. <laughs> like we used to do. Yeah. Like a. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, and I think. One for me, one what I'm starting to realize too, it's because um, I I've always suffered with like having the right gear and wanting gear, but now now it's like I want to find the right people. Like, yep. I want to make I want to make dang good friends with with people who have like like minded, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't ha- it wouldn't hurt if they had some good lights or like they had a little bit of knowledge oh, in this area or that area, and like. You surround yourself with like pros who are good at what they do. It's like you ain't gonna go wrong when once you get them all together on a project. No, definitely, because yeah, there's there's groups all over the place. I mean, if you look at Facebook, you, you've got filmmaking groups. You've got hundreds, right. maybe even thousands of, of of filmmaking groups. I mean, some of the main ones that I would suggest is like if you've ever seen Film Riot on YouTube, especially if if you're out there and you've wanted to make short films. Film rights definitely like a, a top one I would suggest because they kind of take you behind the scenes and, and show you how they do things for videos. And they've, they've been doing this for like 10 years or more now, too. And they, they show you everything from, you know, visual effects that are done through the computer. They also do practical effects. They they show you just a, a whole bunch of different things of, of what you can do. Plus, they've they've released their own short films on their channel too. Um, I if I were to make one suggestion, I I would suggest them to check them out, especially if you want to get into to making short films and stuff like that. Because I, I I think they're a good resource, especially a free resource. Because there's there's a lot of resources out there that you could pay for, you know, to learn stuff. But mm-hmm. the, they've have ten years worth of uh of knowledge out there just free, you know, on YouTube that you can use and utilize and to help make yourself better as a, as a filmmaker and, you know, get your products made, you know, and, and, and show you different techniques and, and different things, you know, uh, even equipment, they, they do equipment reviews too. So if you are trying to find the right kind of gear to get started, even, you know, they have a lot of videos on that too. So it, it's a good, it's a good thing to check out, especially if, if you're just getting started. Yeah, too. Like, um, I think a lot, like, there's a lot of arguments these days because there's so much content on YouTube just by yep. itself of, like, how to put together a film. You literally could spend years watching all the videos oh, that definitely. there's out there. So, like, a lot of people are making the argument, then why go to film school and stuff? And I think there's valid reasons on both sides whether to go or not go but like yep i would make the argument um if you want to do it you 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 don't have anything holding you back but i think like uh school for for me and i know we were talking about this earlier earlier school can also give you that level of confidence and on the connections uh, of people who are like-minded and uh i think like going to school depending on what kind of personality you are you get a you get a you'll get your film done a lot faster sometimes um yep. you will you'll be able to have that competitive um 
nature come out and like look at other people's work and that's school and like be like oh i can do better than that i'll try my i'll try way better to make them look like fools with my work and make you know like that, that kind of worked with me with that way but yeah no there if you want to make a film there's there is plenty of resources out there to do it today right now Definitely. And, and, you know, thinking about film, right. you know, they, they kind of got their start making their own short, short films. And now they have this whole community that they run, that they show people how to basically teach people how to, to do filmmaking for free. If you look at like, even with, you know, short films in, in, in general, cause you've got like people like David F. Sandberg, he is the director of Shazam. He, uh, his first movie that came out was lights out that horror movie. And he also did Annabelle Creation. He got to start doing short films on YouTube. His he's got a channel called Pony Smasher that he has like years worth of short films that he's done that led up to him getting noticed because of the uh, his short film of 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 Lights Out is what prompted them to uh, make the full length film because that went viral. You know, after it went to a festival and whatnot. So I mean, there's there's definitely it's a good way to get started with, with filmmaking is, is by doing short films. And yeah, like Jason said, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of resources out there and there's, there's, it's like just free for the taking. So you don't necessarily have to go to film school. Not that film school is bad by any means. It's just that there's so much out there that you could do um, and get your hands on. That's just available there uh, because they, they wanted to produce that content to be able to get people that are interested in it doing it so yeah there's there's definitely a lot out there that that is for sure yeah like uh i think the medium of short films in general a lot of people could argue like why make a short film like you can make a feature and get it distributed or make that's where you're going to make money and stuff like that short films is not a place to make money in that's for sure but Mm -hmm. it's a very easy stepping stone once you find your voice and you put together something good, it's easier to get noticed. Like um, the fellows who put together um, Hobo with a Shotgun and Turbo Kid, yep. you know, you got, they had Trevenge before then, you know, mm-hmm. and that was uh, an incredible uh, short film. That was great. Like, uh, those are Canadians, right? I think those are Canadians. I believe they're rock. Canadian. Yep. Jason... Oh, what's uh, Jason? I want to say Eisenberg or Eisner. I, I could be Eisner. Yes, Eisner. Jason Eisner. Yeah, and like, yeah, you got they. They're like they killed it. True Vengeance. I'm, I'm like one of my favorite shorts that I come back to and think about. But like, uh, yeah, True Venge, and then it was Hobo with a Shotgun. Yep. And uh, like, that's I love, I love that, and. That's just one of many, many different stories of like putting together shorts, finding a, you know, just your, your, your niche and your style and you're yep. able to like craft your story the way you want. And there you go. There's your feet. Now they want you on a feature. Now you can put together your own feature. Now you can, you have proof of concept for your next Kickstarter for the bigger thing or yep. a proof of concept for a, uh, production house that's like hey we like we like what you did here here's an offer i haven't gotten that (laughs) (laughs) hopefully someday and honestly too (laughs) like i'm not really 
looking for that. If that may sound really weird, but yeah. I'm just really addicted in general, putting it, all the stupid stories that are in my head to put them together. Uh, like I can celebrate that actually <laughs> they may, they ain't, they're not uh, my citizen canes by any means, right. but like that idea in my head is now finished. It, like it or not, like I got it out of my head. Mm-hmm. And was it successful? And whoever, <laughs> that's not for me to decide. Uh, like half the time I'm in the middle of an edit of one and I'm thinking about the next one and want to yeah. be done with the one I'm working on and hate it. But like um, just getting them out is what I'm kind of like more more concerned about. I don't want to go to sleep thinking about all these different stories and never do them. That would be like a tragedy. This has been a good discussion regarding short films. I, it really is kind of a good way to get into, you know, filmmaking if that's something that you're wanting to, to do. And I, hopefully this episode is helpful for those of you out there that may have been thinking about, you know, making a, a short film or wanting to get into video or anything like that. You know, it, hopefully this does help you on, on your journey for that. If you do have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. You can reach out to us through our Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, all at CLS Podcast. Uh, like I said before, we will have the links down below for some of the the stuff that we've worked on in the past for me and Jason. Even though a good portion of it's cringy, it's 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 all good though because it's 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 learning because it's kind of where we started and kind of where we went. You know, I'll kind of include a, a few different things in in the description below that you can check out through YouTube or, or Vimeo or wherever we may have it. So, but I, uh, we do hope that you guys enjoyed this episode as always. We will see you again next week. And please, like I said before, check out the review for three from hell. We want to start doing more reviews. If you have any movies in mind that you guys want to, you know, see us review, please definitely let us know. We'd love to hear back from you guys. Otherwise, Thanks for joining us this week. We will see you next week. Thanks for joining us today for the CLS podcast. Check us out at www.clspodcast.com or join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag CLS podcast. Until next time, stay safe campers. Campers.